giving everyone the opportunity to have this amazing pork. I think we've really got the system right now. It's down pat. We've been doing it for 20 years. Uh, I'm really proud of how it tastes. I'm really proud of how we get it right week in, week out. I think I'm especially proud with the paddock to plate story because it's very legitimate and authentic. This is The Crackling. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Born and raised for their entire lives in a stress-free natural outdoor environment, gorilla pigs are free to roam 24 hours a day and live their best lives. For farmer Therese Ladner, it's an environment that also produces incredible pork too. Therese, how are you? Good morning, Huck. I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. It's great to get you on the show. Uh, you've got an incredible farm there in Queensland. Tell us a little bit about the region you're in. Uh, thank you. Uh, yep, so we're in, we're on the border. Uh, we're in Gundawindi. So our farm is actually an hour north-northwest of Gundawindi. So, yeah, we we experience the harshness of, you know, it gets really hot and uh, it gets really cold out here as well. But in between, it's lovely. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about, you know, what's great about that region for what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, so I think... Probably you can do any type of farming out here. Gundawindi is renowned throughout Australia as being quite a um, oh, go-ahead town. There's there's cotton, there's wheat, there's pigs, there's, you name it. Um, they do it out here and nothing really stops you and it's a very positive environment to be in, a uh, great community very uplifting and yeah so you just sort of live out your life and do what you'd like to do and you've got lots of support in the meantime. Tell us a little bit about the scale uh, of the pig farm and what you're doing there. Yep so we we weren't always in pigs. In 99 we, Mark and I, actually bought the family farm which is named Gurali, hence the name of our pork and it was at that stage that we sort of, I, I think that we had to get our grown-up pants on and we, you know, moved over to the main house type thing and had a, a, one of our children, like our first child was on its way and we had three and it was sort of, we sat down one day at the kitchen table and went, okay, we, I'm from farming, Mark's from farming. I actually studied teaching and went and did that for years. But uh, we both knew that we were very, very weather determined and we were sick and tired of looking to the heavens to rain. And, you know, it, yet again in that year, it was very, very dry and stressful. So we were kind of thinking about succession planning down the track and, you know, what we were going to do and how can we sustain ourselves to be here for the long term. And it was Mark who actually suggested pork, to which I answered, and what do you know about growing pork, Mark? And he said, well, I remember when I was in uh, college that they convert really well with feed. I went, oh, okay, no worries, we're going to go broke. <laughs> but anyway, but at the end of the discussion, we did. We decided to add pork to the mix. We were already doing grain. We had beef and uh, lamb as well. And we, you know, we wanted it upon the same ethos as that and we started talking about you know what okay we can do pork but 
to go in alignment with what we already do, we'd really love to do free range. And we we had identified over the years that there wasn't a really fantastic free range product out there. You know, there were lots of people doing free range per se, but it was hobby farming. And, and you know, there was a reputation that it would be fatty and inconsistent and then butcher shops would get it one week and then they wouldn't get it the next week and and that they couldn't get this consistency going and we said well we want to do that and if we have if we want to do that we have to do it on a scale so uh, yeah and that's where the idea was born and for 4 years mark sort of traveled length and breadth of australia and we knew a few fundamentals about how we wanted to set it up. We wanted animal welfare to underpin the operation. We felt that, you know, a stress-free environment was going to give you a supreme article. We wanted it to be free range and we wanted it to be the most stringent certified uh, pork that we could possibly do. So we wanted that accountability and traceability for the consumer. So, And we are. We're uh, certified with APIC through APL. We're free range. Uh, yeah, everything that we do is uh, free range. We're 100%. So I think that that makes Skurali very unique. Uh, there are three types of pork in Australia. There's conventional, then there's outdoor bread raised indoor on straw, and then there's free range. And so that's what we do and we only do that. Do you have any stories of the challenges of getting the pig farm up and running? Absolutely. We, it, um, it hasn't come easily. We, so obviously you need a lot of water, which we didn't have a bore. And so we were the last people in Queensland, like the moratorium came and we had our application in. And without that, like that hinged on whether we could actually start the piggery or not. Luckily, we got that through. That costs a lot of money, like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, you've got a huge it's a huge investment and, you know, it's a double-edged sword. We we chose to start with a largish operation in the beginning um, to which we have expanded several times and we're very fortunate in that we've got enough land here that we can do that. Uh, that often holds a lot of people back because they're leasing or they're relying upon, you know, other people growing out for them, etc. So at least we had that. But with that, we had to start from scratch. So there was all the infrastructure. Uh, even though it's free range and people think, oh, you know, you, you don't have uh, the mechanics, etc. you know, machinations of uh, what you do in um, an indoor system, you, ha you have a lot. You've got underground water systems, you've got feeders, you've got massive shelters because even though they, they have access to the outdoors 24 hours a day, Trees don't suffice because, you know, it, it's only dappled light and, and pigs don't like getting burnt. So you need massive shelters in, you know, like portable shelters in the paddocks as well. So there's a lot of expense that goes into setting up a piggery and more so than people probably identify if they do a quick drive around. Uh, that as well as I think one of the biggest learning curves for Mark and myself was probably going from a farming practice where we had literally one uh, workman and then overnight we, you know, you have, to, you have to add a team and we have, it sort of fluctuates between 25 and 30 staff now. So uh, we had a lot to learn and, you know, uh, yeah, I, I was grateful for teaching and 
um, lots of interpersonal um, <laughs> lessons that I had to draw on. And yeah, it's you, you know, you have to do many things, you have to wear many hats as an employer. So, uh, but we have a really fantastic crew, and uh, you know, we've got a team out here who's on the ground with the pigs, and we then we have our truckies who transport them. We have all of our own trucks for that um, to keep the process under our wing. And then we have an amazing sales team who are based in Brisbane. So, yeah, there's a lot of moving parts to it. And, and in between, we would just do all of our other enterprises that we had before. So, yeah, it's busy, that's for sure. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the, the breed and is, is, has that changed at all over the years? It has slightly. We uh, we began with a large white land race cross, and we used to cross it with a Belgian meat master boar, and it was a fantastic mix. And it it allows us, alongside with our nutritionists doing our feed, you get a, a very bulky pig with uh, with a fat coverage, which is very complementary but not too fat because, again, as I spoke about before, that was a really bad catch cry for free-range pigs and we wanted to get that under control. In the last years, we have actually changed slightly and due to weather and taste and a demand from the consumer, we've added a little bit of Duroc and a bit of Berkshire in there. So it does two things, um, changes the flavour a little bit, and also, it uh, you know, the semen that we use for our program here, because we breed everything here as well, uh, it, it makes for a better foot for, you know, free-range walking because they're very different. They walk around and you need their feet really strong. And, yeah, so, uh, yeah, it, uh, and it's better for the sun because they have just a little bit of colour DNA going through their systems and they don't get as burnt as easily. Tell us about life on the farm um, for the for the pigs um, being in that free-range environment? What, what's it like? What's their life like? Very stress-free. I have to say if I was going to be anything in life, if I were to be a pig, I would want to be a gorilla. I am very envious when I go up there. In fact, like you'll be driving around showing people if you're up there for a photo shoot or, you know, obviously I don't go up there a lot. So Mark's up there a lot more and then our crew, but I'm more in the office and on that side. But when I do go up there uh, and just to bask in the glory of how beautiful it looks up there, you'll you'll sort of drive past and they're in the wallows relaxing, you know, having their lovely little spa baths with their mud baked on them and, yeah, just relaxing. And you think, oh, are they dead? And then you'll have to see a little flicker of an ear and you go, oh, no, no, they're just ultra relaxed. You know, they it's, it's very communal. Pigs are highly intelligent and... They, they have their own little area. So the piggery is on one section of our uh, property here and it's up the back, which is a sandy, loamy area, which is very important for a piggery in free-range situations because it has good drainage. They have a beautiful view. We should have actually built up there. They have the best view of the place. But they there are lots of areas like gestation paddocks for when they're pregnant. Then they have their farrowing areas, which is their birthing area. So they each get their individual huts, you know, which is insulated, etc. And uh, but when they come out to play as such or feed, it's very communal, and you see all the mums looking after the babies and and they interact a lot and then they go into their own little huts uh, when they want to and, you know, have their time. 
you've got different areas for your growers, um, weaners. It's like anything. There are lots of different areas for different stages. There are lots of different feeds for different stages. What you need when you're a baby that's just been weaned off mum is very different to when you're growing and you're 20 weeks old. So there's a lot of science that goes into it. Uh, Yeah, but at the end of the day, I think what we do well here is it's just a really lovely stress-free environment and a stress-free environment creates a supreme tender succulent pork. Tell us a little bit about the feed and how that works with that as well for the end result. What, what's the feeding program and what impact does it have on the end result? Yeah. So primarily the feed is pelletised. It, uh, it goes to a local feed mill in Gundawindi who are fantastic and, um, you know, it goes hand in hand with our business because you're so reliant on feed. Uh, that's a mixture of grains, uh, so, you know, wheat, barley, sorghum. Contrary to what people believe, it's important to know that they don't get nutrients from pasture or grass. Uh, That's lovely for marketing and especially being at Gundawindi, we know all too well about that. It's very hot here and the grass dries off very quickly, but it doesn't affect the pigs one way. So uh, they pelletise the very little uh, piglets. They have uh, what we call a view, which is a very early wiener. It's more like a crumble because like a little baby, they can't handle solid foods or anything straight up. So it just it, it's just very reliant upon their stage and age as to what they get given. What's the sort of life cycle of the, of the pigs on the farm and what, what sort of weight are they going to market at? Yeah. So a uh, little bit of useless information if anyone wants to learn it. Um, so gestation of a pig is 333, which is three months, three weeks and three days, so an average of about 115 days. So the pigs here, obviously, they're born in their farrowing section. We wean on an average around 24 days, just depending on the size and the need of that piglet. Uh, then they continue to go to different paddocks and areas for, for growing out. Uh, and we, what we do also is everything is sold by 23 weeks. That, so that is porkers, which is a lighter type pig, and, you know, they can dress at about between... 62 and 72 we do a porker bracket and then then you have your baconers which is bigger and uh you know it just depends on what butcher you are and what you would prefer to have Uh, it doesn't compromise the meat or the fat or anything like that so it's just some butchers like them smaller some like them larger and then we have another avenue which is back fatter meats so the mums you know obviously the mums reach their end at a certain time and but to the advantage of all the salumi makers out there, they love that because it's beautiful for your salamis, your chorizo, etc. Uh, so yeah, there are three markets, and they're sold very large, obviously, and they have obviously have a higher fat content, just like all of we women. You know, the older you get, the more you spread. So <laughs> unfortunately, there's some who don't. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, we just whinge about it more, I think. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, and so uh, here at Guralee, everything's out at 23 weeks. Uh, We did that purposely because one of the things that was a problem and and still can be a problem in piggeries is boar taint and Guralee has absolutely no boar taint. We never have 100% money 
back guaranteed and we've never had to honour that. We we also choose to use Improvac, which is uh, a safe vaccine which is given to the pigs twice and it inherently uh, it prevents the pituitary gland from developing in the males because and we do it for two reasons. Because we sell domestically and internationally, we we don't want the risk of bortaint uh, and we don't get it when we sell at 23 weeks, but we we just wanted to really make it nuggetry. We couldn't ever really chance that if you go to airlines or anything like that, if you're going into the Singaporean market, you know, there are so many features you have to think of. So we decided to introduce Improvac and so inherently the male pigs don't get any testosterone. So they've still got all of their parts you know, that work and they love, but uh, they are females at the end of the day as far as the meat goes. And that just opens up such a better avenue for us because the reality is you have to sell all of the pork. You can't just sell your females. You have to sell the males or you will go broke. So this way we've conquered that and uh, we have butchers day in, day out who will say, I don't care what you give me. It's all beautiful. Um, just go for it. So, uh, yeah, and you don't ever risk the the problems of you know your science like androstenone and skatol getting in there and that disgusting urine smell. So yeah, that's how we do it here. Uh, we've had uh, many guests talk about um, characters, uh, pigs, and and their personalities and how intelligent they are. Do you have any stories of uh, the personalities of different pigs that you've had over the years? Oh. Not too many because, I mean, at the end of the day and, I mean, I hope the listeners are, you know, understanding that we grow protein for a start with the piggery. But uh, so you don't want to get too linked to them, do you? And there are thousands and thousands. So, but I have heard on several occasions from the boys up there, you know, they get very attached to the boars because even though we do AI, artificial insemination for summer infertility here, we we do have teaser boars because... You know, they, they have a job and all the women like to feel sexy and it's just something that we do for a natural process. But Boris the boar made a big impact. He had quite the personality and I think it was very sad for everyone when he had to go off to market. Uh, but usually, I mean, yes, if you if you drove around up there with me, you'd be very surprised at it's like anything. They remind me of children. You know, there are some who are really brazen that will come up to you when you've got the car there or they'll make different noises. There's some that will do little donuts and show off in front of you. There'll be some that are shy and go away. So they are full of character. They're an incredible species, I have to say. What's special about being out on the farm? Uh, I, think, I think it's a real grounder in life. Uh, it, it's certainly not for the lifestyle, I have to say. Many people will in a very quick sentence say, oh, you're there for the lifestyle. But gone are the days where you have an operation where you get lots of time in agriculture. It, um, everyone's had to become so much more savvy and um, you have a lot on your plate. But I think the grounding factor of you see death and you see birth and you see we have a very harsh climate. So I always say you have to know what pain is to know what pleasure is. So we go through extreme droughts. We go through rotten mouse plagues. We, you know, you go through a lot of trials and tribulations, but when you then go up to the piggery or you see this beautiful land that you live on and that you look after and continue to make sustainable and you're very environmentally aware to 
keep it going for the future generations and for Australia as a whole, it's very gratifying. And uh, I think it's a privilege also to, we really pride ourselves on quality. And we said, right, if we're going to grow this pork, we want it to be an eating experience that the consumer deserves. And that's what we've prided ourselves on. We want it to be consistent week in, week out. We want to give our butchers exactly what they want. We weigh everything that goes through here, every single pig. And and if a butcher says to me, Therese, I want to get uh, a dressed pig at 65 to 68 kilos with a P2, which is a fat depth of 12, that's exactly what they get. So, you know, it might be it might be 10, it might be 11, it might be 12, but they pretty much get what they get as far as livestock goes. So, uh, and I think the ability to be able to hone in on a system that we've done and get it right, uh, that, that's it's very satisfying for that. And it's fresh, it's it's clean and green. There's no pollution. It's it's a good way of living. It's a great way of bringing your kids up, and then they explode out of here and have to you know visit the world. But you've started in a really really authentic, clean place. I think that for me is the best thing. Where does the product uh, end up? What's the biggest markets for you? So we go direct. So uh, the majority here in Australia, which we're proud of, we want that. Uh, we don't want imported pork. <laughs> this, is, this is a no-go zone as far as the conversation. Um, you, we do go overseas. So and there are countries overseas who love the clean green story of Australia and they, they really harness it, you know, we're in Singapore, Hong Kong, et cetera. Uh, but so all throughout Australia, uh, I still continue to do the whole carcasses and the marketing team send the broken pork uh, all around Australia and overseas. Uh, again, you can get anything from if you want to get a rolled roast to a, a French rack to a, a collar butt to you name it, you can get it. Uh, and, you know, so it's going into retail. You do butchers. You, there are some wholesalers out there who are really keen and, and, and very dutiful to uh, promoting the girly story that we're proud of, having that paddock-to-plate story and being family-owned and grown and, and operated. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, Yep, very proud to say that we can. You can get it in Australia for sure. Uh, who's the cook in the house, and is there a go-to pork dish in the family? <laughs> I'd have to say that I am the cook in the house. I'm sure that if Mark was here, he would say, "No, no, no. My signature dish is this and that." And we laugh about that, the children and I. He he does. He has got some killer recipes, but inherently, it's me. Our our favourite pork dishes. Uh, there's not just one. There's a few. We we love a massive big loin rack, and uh, uh, you know it, it's beautiful because it gives you a combination of all the sensations. You've got your beautiful succulent meat, you've got your bone in there, you've got that amazing crackling. So you're getting everything rolled into one, and and you know whenever we get that done, we just tell the butcher to keep the loin together, and so we have this huge big feast, which is fun. Uh, you can't go past the humble roast. We have one of our children who, you know, for her 10th birthday just wanted all the crackling she could eat and that's what she got and was sick and, you know, but still says, please make a roast, mum. And then I think also 
the ribs. Oh, my God, you can't go past ribs, you know. They're so tender. They just fall apart. They melt in your mouth. You, I make them with a barbecue come chili jam and you're, they're in a stock so everything's just there fermenting and then you grill it and it is next level. So, um, yeah, we do love to eat here. We base celebrations around food and 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 we always cook pork when people come to stay because they expect it we do eat other meat other than pork though i have to say (laughs) (laughs) how has farming changed your life uh it's given a lot of opportunity uh you know we it oh it is sort of we've grown over the years mark and i've bought uh more properties over the years so we I think we've grown personally because, as I said, you know, we went from handling one staff member to 30, uh, so we've grown in that way. Uh, we've, yeah, we've, I, I've really enjoyed giving our employees um, an ability to work here and and safety and security. It's, it's unique in... At Guralee, because we are an hour northwest of Gundawindi and and four and a half hours west of Brisbane, everyone lives on Guralee. So we have like this community here. We have many houses. Uh, and uh, it, I guess it's just helped us grow uh, within ourselves more than anything and given us a life that we can then provide our children with into the future. I don't know if they'll ever come home and do what we're doing but that's okay that's that's their life and their story to work out uh yeah it's uh, it's it's a good life and i think that it teaches you reality it's it's not easy being on the land and uh it, it certainly makes you humble and just when you think you get it right you learn another lesson and uh makes you focus on and life on life as a whole well, you've built an incredible uh, brand there. What do you love about what you do? I think uh, giving everyone the opportunity to have this amazing pork. A lot of, I think we've really got the system right now. It's down pat. We've been doing it for 20 years. Uh, I'm really proud of how it tastes. I'm really proud of, I should say we, um, you know, it's it's Mark and I. Uh, we're very proud of how we get it right week in, week out. And I'm, I think I'm especially proud with the paddock to plate story because it's very legitimate and authentic. And we, we've done everything ourselves from we breed to growing. We transport it ourselves. We make sure that the animal welfare is paramount at all times you know when they're when they're transported on our trucks we do it around the best time for the pigs because they don't like heat and they stress and we don't want to compromise the meat for the consumer ultimately so all of our trucks have shade cloth misters it's denoted around the time of the day then we we slaughter at an export accredited abattoir you need to have the best certification through the entire supply chain and then I would like to think that coupled with that we have everything under our banner everything's branded all of our sales team all of our staff they're all doing it for this joint goal of Guralee to be the best that it can be and and uh, I, I hope that anyone who interacts with our sales team with any of our staff when they're out there with myself with Mark 
I hope that they are happy with, um, yeah, how we're doing things and how we treat them. Well, Therese, it's been an absolute honour to have you on The Crackling today to hear just a part of your story. Um, Please keep in touch and we'll have to catch up again soon. Oh, thank you. And thank you for your podcast. It's very interesting and it's very... It's fantastic to hear different walks of life all of the time and, you you know, you, you often turn it on and listen to it when you might be having a challenging day or something. You go, yep, everyone's going through the same stuff. But at the end of the day, we just want that common goal of giving the best that we can. So thank you very much to you, Huck. Well, a pleasure. We'll have to catch up again soon. Thanks, Therese. This is The Crackling, a Deep in the Weeds production in partnership with Porkstar. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we catch up with some of Australia's best chefs and pork producers to discover what makes Australian pork so special.